Are you looking for truth from God's word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons, Bible teacher and president of Clarity Christian College, formerly known as Florida Bible College. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. And then he walked away. I had so many questions after that. I began to doubt everything. And I had to keep going back. I'm going to tell you, if it wasn't that I had a loving person in my life that was patient with me, watch this, but stayed vitally connected to my growth, tracking my progress, it is quite possible that I could have fallen in love with Christ by 16, realized that I did that by 18, and gone cold for God by 17, and could be out there in the world today knowing something about Christianity. I might have trusted Christ. Who knows where I would be today? Here's my encouragement to you. I would like you young people to lean into this series so much that you say right now, particularly you you young men, that you want to have an intimate relationship with Christ with all of your heart, regardless of, watch this, the relationship style your friends have. Are you still with me? I'm going to say something really hard now. Sometimes to have an intimate walk with God that is biblical, that you have with the Lord, not just Christian life and doing stuff, with the Lord, even beyond maybe the style that your mom and dad might model. I'm not condemning them. But I want you to know they're still wrapped in flesh and they may fail occasionally, rarely, but they might. So don't go off when they go off. You stay rock solid in your intimacy. And so like David, you can say, I want to dwell in the presence of the Lord all the days of my life. Not just when I die, I want to be in His presence. I want to be in His presence right today on the soccer field. I want to be in His presence right today while I'm at school. Right today when I'm in my room and I'm tempted to go online and do something and see something I shouldn't. I want to be in His presence every moment and I want to have that intimacy. That will carry you through the days when you feel all alone. All right, the seeking of God. And then it talks about to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Now, if you don't mind, I'm going to speak to the... You ladies, I hope I'm not leaving you out. I don't think I am. I think you're tracking with me, but please don't wake up your husband and say, are you listening to him right now? It's for you too, okay? When you read the words to behold his beauty and inquire of all of that, most men, that's really hard for us to follow. But if you look at it this way, If, in fact, you are particularly drawn to a sports team, you have a favorite sports team. When you open up the newspaper, you often will look for the sports scores of your team and the players. When you go, you want to make sure you're hearing. And every time you hear a player or a coach or something going on with your team in and out of season, you're right there. You can see Hawaii is green in almost everything. And my point is simply this. You are beholding the beauty of the warriors. You're holding in your heart the beauty of whatever the team. Now, I can make a big issue and you're worshiping all of that. And I'm not going there with that. Here's where I want to go. If you can look at those things in your life and seek after them for those things, cannot you shift the object of the same beholding and seeking and put it upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Could not you do that? Should not you do that? And the answer for us men is true. And you think, well, Pastor, you're you're in another world. There are certain things that light my fire. I love reading stuff on leadership. 
I love going through and finding things that hit where I like, my likes. But I have to be very careful that the candy stick in my life is Jesus Christ. If not, it's very easy for them to become competitive. And it becomes especially easy for Satan then to use those good things in life to draw me away from the greatest thing in life that now this good thing will become a horrible thing. All right, here's the second observation we get from this passage of his intimacy with the Lord. It would be worshiping God. Now, that's a hard term to use. I mean, you know, everybody worships. Some people, when they hear worship, they think music. Some people, when they hear the word worship, they think of praise songs. Some people, when they hear the word worship, they think become a monk somewhere. I, I don't know. And I'm using that word here in my language. But let's now look at it in Scripture. He goes on to say, For in the time of trouble, he, referring to the Lord, shall hide me in his pavilion. If you have your pen, especially you guys, will you underline the word, he shall? If you're looking for the right network guy in your life, it's going to be the Lord. He shall do something for you. If you need someone to watch your back, it's going to be the Lord. He shall, look what he does now, hide me in his pavilion, which means nobody can get you. Have you ever played hide and seek and you wanted to win? You tried to hide as, as much as you could away from all of the kids who were trying to get you. Well, right now he will hide you. In the secret place of his tabernacle, he shall hide me. He shall set me up high upon a rock. When you're on a rock, you can look down on your enemies and the arrows fly better and faster, more accurately going down than trying to shoot it up against gravity. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me and notice the last in bold. Therefore, because of who he is and what he chooses to do in my life, I will offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. Well, I don't know what your outward expression is, but I know this. And guys, I'm with you. I like sports. I'm sorry my Longhorns lost. You know, glad my Cowboys won. All right. But here's where I'm going with that. Listen carefully. I can cheer. I can really cheer. I heard of a lady who was very quiet. Sorry about this, guys. A lady illustration here. She was real quiet, real shy, and she went to what was known as a Georgia Bulldog, University of Georgia football game. And if you've ever watched University of Georgia, the Bulldogs, when they play, she's sitting around looking at everybody going nuts. But University of Georgia was getting so excited. They were really winning their game. And when the University of Georgia fans cheer, they don't just say, yippee, whoopee, they're winning. You know what they do? They bark like a bulldog. And this lady, this little, wonderful, sweet, delicate, passive, shy lady, she's standing on her seat. Now, that's weird as I'll get out. You see this. They paint their bodies and they stand out there, sit out there in a blizzard while they're doing this naked. You know what I'm talking about. In a sense, now in a sense, that's a form of praising their coach, praising the quarterback, praising the team, praising the other players, whatever. Now, just shift that focus for a moment. No, please don't get on your seat and bark like a dog and we need music, all right? We're not going there, all right? But where we are going is this, is that inside of you, do you have that element within your personality of joy? For who he is. Now remember, 
it's not just a wispy force out there. Who he is all through this context is attached to things he does for you. So it's an action thing. Who he is is not divorced from what he does. But there's that element of joy. And so men, while we're talking about intimacy, part of that intimacy isn't where you're going to cry and I love Jesus. Some of it's just going to be old-fashioned singing, praising the Lord. And inside, there's this joy of Jesus. I pray that it be the case. Women, the same. So we seek the Lord. Once we seek the Lord, I love it, we'll find the Lord. When we find the Lord, we find out who he is even deeper. It brings out the joy. Let's go to the third observation. This would be praying to God. I'm using the word prayer, and that's such a generic, overused word because praying just sounds like some kind of a stilted thing. You put your hands together. Sometimes it's in a meal or a crisis. And here's what it says. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. And once again it says, Your face, Lord, I will seek. David saw prayer as what we might call face time. So look up here. I'm seeking God with all my heart. And when I do, he says, you will find me most accurately in Scripture. Then from that, I'm now engaging into who he is, what he does. That brings out joy because who he is and what he does is to bring me even closer into intimacy with him. So now I'm so excited that he'd love me the way that I am, that he will take care of me. He will be my provider. He will be my protector. Did you catch that, guys? He will be my provider. He will be my protector. I'm so full of joy now, but now I want to talk to him. And so I'm seeking his face because every single day I am faced with decisions to make. I'm faced on my job of how I'm going to expend my funds. I'm facing my job and how I'm going to position my staff. I face on my job what I should do next. I'm faced on a dilemma because I started one day and all of a sudden a Scud missile hit my calendar. Today, we're struggling with our technology. Last night, a malicious virus got into one of our staff's computer system and he stayed up till 1.30 trying to resolve it for you and for him. Couldn't do it. Called another brother or two. Like firemen, minutemen, they're right here to try to help out this morning to get this together. I'm going to tell you that at 2 o'clock in the afternoon yesterday, everything was fine, fine, fine until that virus hit. And that's when you have to say, Lord, help me. If I can't get it fixed, help me figure out how we can still make it work. And if not, Lord, help me, watch this, to have an attitude of saying, Lord, it's in your hands. I'm still not going to let that steal my joy. Do I hear an amen on that? And that's part of the seeking of the Lord, face time with God. Now, I know you can do it while you're driving, and sometimes we do the way people drive. We have to pray, oh, God save me. But other times there's going to be that concentrated appointment with God that we can have. There'll be no audible voice. There's not going to be any ooey feelings. Except this, when you're done having that time, when you are focused mentally, totally on Christ, who he is, what he does, there will be a sense of peace. A calmness. I can't explain it, but something will happen supernaturally within you because that's his promise. You seek his face. So we saw seeking, worshiping, communicating with him. And I'm going to say more about communication in future weeks. But I want to look at the fourth observation because now after we've gone upward seeking, we've gone upward worshiping, we've gone upward praying, now we stop and we let God through Christ come down to us, learning from and following God. Because once we're doing this upward, the whole purpose is, yes, I'm focusing on the Lord, but I'm focusing on the Lord to do what? 
follow him. What do you want me to do? I'm here as your servant. It's not, Lord, I love you, but I'm going to do what I want. I love you, but I'm going to have my own way. It's, I love you, Lord, and I love you so much, I will keep your commandments. Some people say, well, if I keep his commandments, then I'll love him. I don't think that's the best balance. I think the proper balance is my intimacy of loving him will fuel my passion to follow him. And that's what it says here. He says, teach me your way, O Lord. Men, are you afraid to ask the Lord for wisdom and for him to teach you? Are you men so prideful that you can't for a moment say, okay, Lord, I, I won't let my guard down, but right now in my heart, though, I need you desperately. Please teach me. And then it says, and, O Lord, and lead me in a smooth or straight path implying that if you lead me, I'm going to follow you. So he's going to the Lord and he's saying, Lord, now will you help me? So men, the intimacy is a wonderful thing for you. Now I want you to lean into what I'm saying because it goes through our theme again. My intimacy with the Lord, because I'm going up with him, now causes me to say, it is so good to seek you. It is so good to worship you. I know you are so happy now that I'm talking to you in prayer. But now, Lord, I know that it's not just about something going upward and me going my own way. I am now allowing you to now speak down to me because I want to know more of you because the more I serve you from a heart now that's intimate with you, here it is, the gooder and gooder it gets. Excuse the grammar. And that's what fuels you to go do more, which then makes you want to run to his pavilion, Christ, him again, and worship him and commune with him so you can do more. Now, if every... Ooh, if we men would do this, what wife would not want to follow us? What wife would not want to respond to us? What children would not want our God. What city this would look like even if one little church on the poly chose to do it individually and then the result is corporately and what it could do. And you teenagers that are listening, there's a lot of kids I'm not going to question their encounter with God, but I want you to question your own. Are you intimate with the Lord? And David was one young man against his own family even, who in a sense followed God's laws, still made a difference. And we're reading about him today as an example. And we will you too. An intimacy with God. Well, it doesn't end on verse 11. It goes into verse 12 and then 13 and 14. So what are the results? Let me read to you the results. It gets really cool here because you're going to see something change in this passage. He now says, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. So for you, instead of underlining, I would have lost heart, I'd like you to underline that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. You can see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. You can see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And as you see that, your heart is now getting stronger and bolder and more full of worship and joy and seeking Him, things begin to change within you because you're seeing the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Now, before I go further with this, listen up. I believe that God is so sovereign that the goodness of the Lord is operating in the land of the living all the time. So much, frequently, just 
His sovereignty is everywhere. But when we're not intimate with the Lord, it's like trying to read a paper at dusk with dark sunglasses on. The words are still there, but we can't see them because we're not as intimate with the Lord. And the more intimate with the Lord we are, the lightness of His glory and holiness throws humongous amount of light on our life and we see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the school you go to, in the land of the job you go to, in the land of our world as pastors that we're living in. The goodness, what does that do? Our heart now is lifted up. Now, look at the last part of the verse. It's cool. So now he changes instead of talking to the Lord and he says this, to those who are around him in written form. He says, wait on the Lord. So he's telling his people. He shifted now. It's no longer a prayer. Wait on the Lord, he says. Be of good courage. He's not talking to the Lord now. You know that. And he says, and he, the Lord, shall strengthen your heart. And he says, wait on the Lord, I say, on the Lord. You ought to meditate on that, but if you will for a moment, take a second and look up here. We just spent 13 verses talking about an intimacy with God in only one verse that talks about him talking to others, saying, now you be of good courage, but he doesn't say do it in the flesh, read all these books, get some counseling. He says, be of good courage, wait, or get on your knees before God and develop your intimacy with him because he knows that those people then, I love this, will have good courage. And when they do that, what do you think those people will do? Are you tracking with me? They will now communicate to the people around them. Hey, you guys, now you wait upon the Lord and you look now to see the hand of the Lord in the land of the living. And he's going to say that to them. Now, for you moms and dads and parents right now, you leaders of influence, if you would take 13 verses and embrace that, just like David did, you then with confidence, because it's experiential truth, it's not doctrinal truth mainly that you studied in seminary, Bible college, or Sunday school, or small group. It becomes so real to you that when you tell your kids, you're going through some rough times, aren't you? You're, you're facing some incredible decisions. I've noticed that you're struggling with depression and discouragement and other things, and I love you so much. But let me tell you, I am in the same boat with you, but I have learned. Verses 1 through 13, if you wait on the Lord, be of good courage, it will come. And you now can speak to them with authority. That's why this whole theme is biblical. Our intimacy with the Lord will fuel our outreach for the Lord. And I might add, will make more effective our outreach for the Lord. Well, folks, this is all great stuff because it's biblical. But it really only works with those who are a part of his forever family. And I would like to invite you into his family so that the Lord is not only the Lord in your life, but he is your Savior. And so I hope that right now, those of you who are listening that have not accepted Christ as Savior, that you might have an encounter with the Lord. So if everyone would be still for a moment, I'd like to speak to those who might be listening that are saying, all of that is very good, but I do want to know, could I dwell with him in heaven? Do I have to do these things like seek God and worship Him and pray and all of this to go to heaven? David, the New Testament, Jesus Christ, all of it will tell you that good deeds will never get you into heaven. You have to admit to Him that you are so lost 
and that you need Him to be your forever Savior and forgive you of all sins for you to have eternal life. We're born with a sin nature, therefore we choose to sin, we do sin, and immediately we are separated from Him right from the mother's womb. And so He says, for you to have intimacy with me, you have to be born again and to have my spirit within you so you are regenerated, you become part of mine. Now you have the capacity to have intimacy with me. So anything outside of that is religious rituals. Good stuff to do if they're religious, if you're not hurting others and you're being honest and all of that. But the end product will be, you'll feel a little better, but when you die, you'll still spend eternity in hell. When he says, you need for me to become your savior, and you've got to quit relying upon all these religious things that you're doing and realize that you're a sinner, desperately in need of a Savior, and that Christ is the only Savior. And so when you do that, and you come to Him just as you are, not believing and behaving in any promises, just, Lord, I believe you're Christ. I am now trusting your word that said you'd forgive me, and I'm coming to you now, wanting to be in your forever family. And Jesus says, He that believes on me has right now everlasting life, and I might add, now has the wonderful capability of being intimate with the only God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes and take a moment. Right now we might hear a little traffic, a little bit of rustling of papers, which that will cease in a moment, and perhaps the flow of air from our air conditioners. But I'm going to be quiet for a moment because I would like for you to have some time in your own private way, boys and girls, young people, singles, parents. Would you take a moment right now and make sure that you're a part of God's family? And maybe you'd say this, Lord, I want that closeness to you. I want that assurance. I want that stability. I want that courage. I, I'm struggling with fear and anxiety. I, I, I hear what's happening with the government. I hear what's happening with the finances. I don't know what they're doing. And pretty soon these laws are going to filter down into my world and it's going to rock because of that. I don't know what to do. My kids are now growing up into this world. I don't know if I'm going to have a job next week and I've got to go to the doctor. Now, folks, by going to the Lord, I can't stop any of that. But what I can do is promise you from God's word that you will have the strength to not only survive all of that, but to thrive in all of that. But you must come to Christ and he must become your savior first. He that has the son has life. He that has not the son of God does not have life. You have an existence, but no life. So would you simply say, Lord, I believe you died for me. Put it in your own words, but it must be a transfer of your trust from something else and only placing your trust in Jesus Christ. All right, if you're trusting Christ as your Savior, I'd like to pray for you. I love you and I care for you and I know what it's like to be on the other side of salvation and eternity of heaven. And I know what it's like to step over that line by faith and I want to celebrate your faith in Christ in my, my prayer here. Now, I won't have you stand up, won't have you come forward, won't embarrass you in any way. But if you're trusting Christ by faith alone, and you'd like for me to just quietly remember you in my prayers without anyone looking around, 
If today is the day you're trusting Christ, would you slip up your hand and put it down right now so I can see it? Is there anyone at all? Put your hand up. Put it down. Anyone at all? Okay. <laughs> all right. Now, Christians, for a moment, I'm going to be quiet. You had enough given to you. The Spirit of God wants to do more in your heart than even I can have. I can imagine. So let Him begin that work right now. I know that a lot of praise songs are really relational. There are a lot of love songs to the Lord. And for guys, that's kind of hard. But I want you to know that David in Psalm 18 said, I love you, Lord. And if a man's man can do that, then men, I think we can train ourselves to allow ourselves to go back to those days when we were younger and felt maybe safer with our moms and now transfer that to a very loving God who wants to be your life, your strength, and your salvation. This is Joe Pons, and I want to thank you for listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries and president of Clarity Christian College. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It's the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org. That's makeitclear.org. Thank you for helping us make it clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please email us at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. That's tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear.